ninth week of our series called This Is Us, which is a look at the book of Ephesians. And so over the course of nine weeks, we have been on an epic journey in this letter that Paul wrote to a church 2,000 years ago. And I think what we've discovered along the way is a lot of the issues and the concerns and the struggles and the challenges that this church in where modern-day Turkey is, many of those things are still relevant today. That there are things that Paul wrote 2,000 years ago that fit perfectly with our context and our lives. And so we've been on this epic journey. Paul started out by spending three chapters just reminding us who we are in Jesus. When we come to faith, we become a new creation. And Paul says we're adopted into God's family and we receive new promises and we have new potential and we're new people that are created to serve him. And he says, when we face struggles and we have disappointments and we have frustrations and we don't know where to turn, we should remember who we are. Go back to those promises, what God says about us. Remember who you are. And Paul says the greatest thing is that this is all a gift from God. We're saved by grace through faith, not by anything we do. It's a gift from God, and we can celebrate that, and we can claim that, and we can let that shape our life. Well, then Paul went on to say, now what does this all mean for our daily life? Like, what does it mean to live up to who God says that we are? And so we've talked about how because of who we are in Christ, we're called to be united as the body of Christ. We're called to work together to further the gospel We're called to serve each other. Last week, we talked about how we're even called to submit to each other, which is an awful hard thing to do in our culture today. We're called to be light in the darkness of this world. Well, now we're in chapter six, and it's time to wrap things up. And so Paul wants to give us some final advice and some final encouragement as we go out to live our lives For God. So in chapter 6, verse 10, Paul starts out by saying, Finally, be strong. Finally, after everything we've talked about, all the promises I've made clear, the challenges I've given you, finally, be strong. Now, at first, this might sound like something we would tell people in a lot of different situations. You know, during a challenge, during a struggle, during a sporting event, we might say, be strong. You know, toughen up. Keep your chin up. You can do it. You know, kind of a motivational thing. I remember back when I was playing middle school football, for some reason, I was put on the line. And in the very first play of the game, I was pushed over right onto my back. And I remember the coach yelling, be stronger, right? You got to get up there and give it your all. I remember another time playing baseball when I was a young kid, and I remember sliding into second base in a pair of shorts, and so I just tore my leg up, and I remember the coach at that point saying, get up, you can do this, rub some dirt in it, you'll be fine. You know, oftentimes that's the advice we give people. It's like Paul said, be strong. Now, it reminds me also of a time that my son Soren was playing baseball. He was six years old, and so it was the first year that they played coach pitch 
when we lived in Woodbury. And so I remember he came up to the plate and the coach pitched the ball and he had a really lackluster swing, you know, just kind of embarrassing. And so we're like, come on, Soren, you can do better than that. Swing hard. Okay, so the next pitch comes and again, it was just this really weak swing. And, you know, so being the encouraging dad and trying to motivate him, I'm like, come on, you can do better than that. Swing harder. And he kind of looked back at us and he said, I don't know if I can. And we're like, come on, you can do it. So next pitch, again, it was just this kind of wimpy swing. Soren, you can do it. You can do it. Be strong. And so the next time, he, he tried to use a little more oomph, and I think he just got a hold of the ball. He got onto base, and, you know, we were feeling good about it. Well, the next day, he was complaining about some pain, and so my wife took him to the doctor and found out he had a broken arm while he was playing. And so I won the Parent of the Year award, obviously, in that moment. But you know, it's such a common thing. We hear people say, come on, be strong, be tough. But as much as we don't like to admit it, there's a limit to our own strength, isn't there? There are times when we reach the end, when we have nothing else to give, when there's no more reserves that we can tap into, and we can feel like we're headed for failure. Well, I think that's especially true as we see what Paul wants to talk about with us today. Because he tells us to be strong so that we can stand up to the devil. He says that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against things of this world, but instead it's against the evil forces that are in the world. It's in that context that Paul tells us, be strong. Here's what he says starting in verse 11 of Ephesians chapter 6. He says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. You know, the truth is, there is a lot of evil in this world. There's a lot of opposition to God's will and to God's plans. Now, I think every person probably on earth would agree, there are many things that just are not as they should be. When we take a look around and we look at the landscape, we just see all kinds of awful things happening to people. There are evil things, there are painful things suffering all around. And I think everybody just feels it deep in their heart. This is not how this world should be. There's way too much pain. There's way too much suffering. There's way too much despair and way too much hopelessness. And so Paul calls this out and he says, there is actually a battle happening. There's actually a struggle going on. The devil is focused on bringing lies and pain and fear into our world. There's a battle raging. Now, you might say, well, you don't actually believe there's a devil, do you? You don't actually believe there's demons like Paul's talking about. I mean, he's writing 2,000 years ago, so he probably didn't understand. But I'll give you two reasons why I think they're real. Number one, 
Jesus believed they are real. And you've heard us say before, if you can predict your death and resurrection and then pull it off, we should probably go with whatever that guy says, right? Jesus believed that the devil and demons were real. The second reason I think we can say this is that I don't believe there's any other plausible explanation for all of the horrible things that we see throughout the world. And so it's into this serious, serious situation that Paul tells us, be strong. Great, right? How are we supposed to do that? Well, let's look at the whole sentence that Paul says in verse 10. Because the whole sentence gives us the key to how we can achieve this. He says, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. You see, there is power in the preposition That word in shows up twice in that one verse, and it makes all the difference in the world. You see, when we are in the Lord, and when we are tapped into his power, then what was once impossible on our own becomes completely possible with God. You know, when it's about our own strength and our own power, it's completely limited. But when it's about God's strength and God's power, It's unlimited. There's even a time when Paul is writing to another church and he says, when I am weak, then I am strong. And when we hear something like that, we might say, what in the world is he talking about? But you see, what he's saying is that as we understand our weakness and as we are connected to God and we are connected to his power, even in our weakness, we can be incredibly strong because of who God is. Our strength comes from him. Now, this is a common theme and a common refrain all throughout Scripture. In the Old Testament, there's a guy named Joshua. You might remember, he was the one who took over leadership after Moses died. And so Joshua is called to lead God's people, the Israelites, forward. And God tells him right off the bat, be strong and courageous. Joshua, be strong and courageous. But finally, in verse 9 of Joshua chapter 1, God explains how this happens. He says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. And here's the key. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. You can be strong and courageous, not because of who you are, Joshua, not because you are so gifted and talented. No, it's because God is going to be with you every single step of the way. Now, that exact same explanation happens when we are introduced to Solomon and King David and the prophet Isaiah and many, many others. They're told to be strong, but to be strong in the Lord. You see, we are to stay connected to him. It's like being plugged into a power outlet. We're strong when we're connected to him. 
because he is the one who is able. So Paul is saying, you're going into battle. The devil is at work in this world. He's going to try to bring lies and temptation and chaos. And Paul says to us, so be strong in the Lord. But then we might ask, well, what does that look like? I mean, what does that actually look like in our daily life? And so Paul goes on to explain, starting in verse 13, he says, Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you will be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up your shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. You see, what Paul is telling us is that you and I are rich in resources. You see, he's telling us, be strong in the Lord, but don't fear, God's with you, and also, he's blessed you with all of the resources that you need. You see, putting on all these pieces of armor is really about applying the gospel. You know, it's one thing to hear the truth of the gospel. It's one thing to be able to articulate the gospel. It's a whole nother thing to actually apply it to our lives. The gospel is good news, but it's good news that's meant to be lived out. The gospel actually matters to every part of our lives. It's not just reserved for an hour worship service each and every week. The gospel isn't a one-time event sometime in the past. It's about a daily walk with Jesus. Now, I preached on this same passage just a few months ago, well, last summer, actually. And so some of it might sound familiar to you, but on the other hand, I can't even remember what I had for lunch yesterday, so maybe it would be good for us all to be refreshed a little bit. So the first thing Paul says to do is to put on your belt of truth. And what this means is he's saying surround yourself with the truth. Don't be focused on what everyone else says. Don't be so focused on what the popular opinion is. Don't be so concerned with what some celebrity says or the newest self-help book says. We need to make sure we hold everything up to the truth of God's word. You know, if it's not true, well, then ultimately it's powerless and it will not stand. Jesus talks about this in Matthew chapter 7 when he talks about the wise man who builds his house upon the rock. He says that foundation is the word of God. It's that truth the truth of God that stands up to every storm and the wind and the waves of this world. And it holds everything up and together 
just like a belt does. While Satan loves to deal with lies and deception, God always tells the truth. When Satan tells you you are beyond hope or that you aren't strong enough or that you are a lost cause, remind yourself of the truth. Remind yourself of what God says about you. He says that you are beloved, you are valuable, and that you are strong in him. Well, next, Paul says, put on the breastplate of righteousness. And this is a reminder to guard our heart. See, Roman soldiers wore a small piece of armor directly over their heart. And it was there to protect them from swords and arrows that might come their way. Well, Satan is going to attack us in any area of our life that is not trusted and surrendered to God. It might be our marriage or our work or our ambition or our future plans or our family or our friends. What area of your life are you trying to do on your own? What area of your life are you trying to keep full control of and not surrender to God? You see, Satan is always gonna try to accuse us. That's what his name means, the accuser. Satan's gonna try to accuse us and to tear us down, and he's gonna go after those things that are especially close to our heart but are not protected he loves to sow seeds of doubt and fear and worry. He loves to make us feel weak and insecure and hopeless. One of his favorite things to do is to try to get us to doubt God's love and grace. He would much rather have us get stuck in a cycle of guilt and shame. But you know, God proclaims that we are forgiven completely and we are redeemed by the blood of Jesus. And God promises he will help protect us from Satan's attacks to our heart. You know, in the book of James, there's this great verse that says, when you flee from the devil, he will flee from you. But when you draw close to God, God will draw close to you. Well, next, Paul says, put on your boots of peace. This is about being ready to go make a difference. Living in God's peace, living with God's assurance, keeps us from being knocked over by life. You see, Roman soldiers had big nails in the soles of their boots, and it was so they could dig into the soil. And when the enemy came running, they would stay on their feet to fight and not be knocked over. Boots of peace. Make sure we're ready to go, that we're ready to represent, that we're ready to serve. You know, it's just like I think all of us heard many times growing up and what we probably told our kids countless times. It's the refrain, put your shoes on. It's time to go. Do you remember your parents telling you that or you telling your kids, come on, put your shoes on. It's time to go. And that's what God's telling us. Put on your boots, put on your shoes of peace. 
You see, peace comes from being forgiven, but also forgiving others. It comes from being loved, but also loving others. We should have no need ever to be offended, to hold grudges, or to worry. No, we should be the most graceful, loving, forgiving people around, full of God's peace. And you see, it's that kind of peace that will keep us stable, even amidst the craziness of this world. And it's that kind of peace that will give us the confidence to go and share the good news with people in this world. Well, next Paul says, grab your shield of faith because faith is what will protect us. It's your faith in Jesus that will protect you when Satan tries to attack. When he tries to shoot an arrow your way, it's your shield of faith that will keep you safe. Now, Roman soldiers had shields that were about four feet tall and about two feet wide. But another thing about a Roman shield is it was designed to lock together with all of the shields next to it. So the soldiers would come together, they would lock their shields together, and it would create a huge wall to protect the army from the coming enemy. Now, this faith that we're called to have is not just believing in God. You see, the Bible tells us the devil and all of his demons believe in God. This isn't about just believing in God. This is actually believing God. See, there's a difference between believing in God and actually believing God. It's having the faith that he can and will do exactly what he says. Now, the arrows are going to come at us, doubt, despair, worry, fear, but it's faith that will protect us. When you hear lies like God doesn't care about you or God doesn't even exist, keep the faith. Faith is the opposite of cynicism and skepticism and disbelief and negativity, Faith is believing the best about others and believing the best about God. Faith is a shield that will protect us from all of Satan's lies. No matter what happens, it's the assurance that God is here and God is at work and God is loving. Well, then Paul says, put on your helmet of salvation this reminds us who we are and whose we are. You know, it's kind of like wearing a baseball cap for your favorite team where you are identified as a fan, as a part of that team. Well, the helmet of salvation makes it clear we belong to God's team. We receive the promise of salvation by trusting in Jesus. We've already been rescued from our enemies. Our team is victorious. It's won the championship. But not only that, the helmet of salvation is about having the mind of God. When God controls our thoughts and our minds, well, then Satan can't lead us astray. Keep on reminding yourself and remembering what it means that Jesus has saved you. When you struggle with hopelessness, remember 
he's already overcome the world. When you struggle with a fear of the future, remember God's perfect plans. When you feel negative and critical, remember the joy that only comes from the Lord. Well, then Paul says, pick up the sword of the Spirit, which is God's words to live by. The book of Hebrews tells us, the word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword. The word of God is powerful, and it always accomplishes what it says. While a Roman sword will pierce a body, God's word will pierce our hearts. And when we need to fight back against Satan's attacks, always fight back with God's word. We need to counter the lies of the enemy and remind him what God has to say. When he tries to bring doubt or fear, throw God's word back at him with confidence. You know, I think if we ask him, God will give us a word for any situation that we might be in. And that's why it's so vitally important that we all spend time in God's word. Make sure you download the free YouVersion app on your phone if you don't already have it. It's a free Bible, all sorts of reading plans. In your car, you can actually have it read scripture to you. It's an incredible resource. Get into a small group that digs into the Bible together. Listen to worship music. A majority of the songs that we sing in worship are directly out of Scripture. Take the time to memorize some key verses that you can always have with you. I'm reminded of when I was on internship at a nursing home. There was a woman who was walking down the hall and And unfortunately, she slipped and she fell and she broke her hip. And she was laying there waiting for the paramedics to come and the ambulance to show up. But we could hear her reciting something again and again. And I was able to talk to her about it later. And she said she was reciting her ABCs. I was like, you mean like the ABCs we teach kids? And she said, no, it's the ABCs of Scripture. You see, she had had memorized a verse for every letter of the alphabet. And in that moment of pain, that's where she went. She recited scripture verse after scripture verse to bring peace and comfort and hope. Well, Paul has described these amazing resources that we have been given by God. The gospel isn't something nice to just hear once and then forget or something to only reflect on occasionally. The gospel is meant to be applied each and every day. And Paul is saying, make sure you put on your resources. Make sure you put these things on so that you can live out the gospel wherever you go. But then Paul has one more thing for us to remember. He says, remember your most powerful resource. Right? You've got all sorts of great armor, but never forget your most powerful resource, which is prayer. What he says in verse 18, 
is, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Pray with confidence and persistence. Know that God hears you and that he's at work. But also make sure you listen to him. It's something we often forget to do when we pray. Take the time to listen because he wants to speak into your life. You see, church, prayer is how we release the power of God into the world. Prayer is the most powerful resource we have, yet we so often take it for granted. James says, you don't have because you don't ask. Now, I think one thing about prayer is we often make it way too complicated, and we make it way too formulaic, and we make it way too rigid. What Paul says here is, Keep on praying at all times in all different ways. Don't get so hung up with the structure. Don't get worried about using the right words or making it holy enough. So no, just keep on praying at all different times and all different ways. You know, sometimes that might mean we don't even have the words to say, and that's okay. Sometimes it means we might have to vent and express our anger and our frustration to God. Maybe even yell at God. And you know what? That's okay. Sometimes we might sing our prayers in worship, and that's okay. Sometimes we might just write out a list of bullet points, and that's a prayer, and that's okay. Keep on asking for God's will to be done. Keep on asking him to show up in power, because God hears every one of our prayers and he will answer them in the best way possible. You know, it's just like we sang in our first song, Waymaker. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. God is at work. God is at work. Keep on praying. So as you face all the difficulties and the pain and the struggles and the opposition of this world, how strong are you? You know, the truth is, on our own, not very. On our own, we're weak. But the good news is that we are not on our own. Our strength comes from the Lord. We have every single resource that we need to continue to walk in victory today. So put on the armor of God each and every day. Let the gospel fill you up. Keep on praying wherever you go and trust that God is at work and that he has already won the fight. Amen? Let's pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks for your incredible love and grace, how you give us the strength that we need to face this world and everything it throws our way. God, we thank you for being such a generous God that you give us all of the resources, all of the armor that we need. Help us to remember every day to put on those resources that you give us, to walk with confidence not because of who we are, 
but because of who you are. God, help us to stay connected to you, our power source. Help us to claim your promises, to remember what you say, and to be more concerned about what you say than what the world says or anyone else says. God, we're so thankful that you've adopted us into your family, that you've called us to be a part of your team. And so God, help us as we leave this place to walk in your victory and in your strength. And so God, we pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen.